Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Ossoff is running in Georgia, Harris releases a comprehensive criminal justice reform plan, it's special election day in North Carolina, and debate bingo is here. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up, some Georgia Senate news. We have a new candidate with the potential to bring in a ton of money and endorsements. John Ossoff announced this morning that he is running in the Democratic primary, hoping to take on Republican Senator David Perdue in 2020. If the name Ossoff sounds familiar, you're probably remembering him from 2017 when he ran in a special election for a vacant House seat in Georgia. So, super long story, a little shorter, Representative Tom Price was appointed to be Secretary of Health and Human Services, which left his House seat for Georgia's 6th District open. That seat was seen as safely Republican, but Democrats like Ossoff figured they'd give it a shot. There was a complex primary and general election process, and a ton of money poured into that race, and it basically became an election about the previous election. In other words, did voters in Georgia want to send another Republican to the House within the Trump era, or switch to a Democrat? Well, Republican Karen Handel won, though Ossoff broke some fundraising records along the way to his loss. He raised approximately $30 million in that race and secured major endorsements within Georgia. So fast forward two years and Ossoff is on the hunt again. Now he has to get through another Democratic primary to get to the general against Purdue, but he has some strong backing coming out of the gate. He already has the endorsement of Representative John Lewis, who also backed him for that congressional race a few years back. Ossoff is facing a field with three other Democrats, but he's easily the best known because of all that national attention and money that flowed into his previous campaign. He's a lot like Beto O'Rourke in that regard. He didn't actually win the election he is best known for. Reading here from an article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution by Greg Bluestein, quote, In an interview in his Grant Park home, Ossoff said his first act in the Senate would be to co-sponsor legislation that seeks to undo the Supreme Court's Citizens United decision and allow new restrictions on corporate political donations. He said he chose to run against Purdue rather than compete for the soon-to-be-vacated seat held by Senator Johnny Isaacson, who is stepping down at year's end for health reasons, because Purdue is one of the least effective and most out-of-touch members of the U.S. Senate. We're in a state where one in three rural children live in poverty, where we have the worst maternal mortality in the entire country, and in half a decade, this guy hasn't come down from his private island to do a single town hall meeting, Ossoff said. He hands out favors to his donors. He runs errands for the president. End quote. How do you really feel, John? <laughs> Tell us more. All right, now remember how Ossoff lost that house race to handle? Well, that picture changed in 2018 with the blue wave. Reading once more from the Journal-Constitution. Quote, In the interview, Ossoff said he would use his 2017 campaign as a blueprint for his Senate bid, pointing to the more than 13,000 volunteers and nearly 500,000 donors who gave average contributions of $21. His defeat helped pave the way for Lucy McBath, a gun control advocate who upset Handel last year. My candidacy was such a threat that Republicans at the highest level made my destruction their highest priority, Ossoff said, and I narrowly lost that race. We built something special and enduring, and I'm still standing and ready to fight. His remarks, laced with criticism of Republicans, offered a preview of a campaign that would not hesitate to clash with Purdue or Trump. I learned never to be intimidated from telling my own story and touting my own accomplishments by the inevitable partisan smears that will come from super PACs in Washington, said Ossoff. I've been through the fire. I no longer care what they say about me, end quote. 
Well, that sounds like the definition of fired up to me. Now, let's listen to his campaign launch video. For some context, this starts with scenes of election night in 2016 and a variety of voters watching TV late at night and getting the news that Trump had won. It moves on from there as those same voters, who are apparently real people, go on to get engaged in politics as a result. And by the way, Ossoff is a documentary filmmaker, so this is essentially a micro-documentary about himself and partisan politics, with a healthy dose of self-promotion and advertising thrown in. Listen in. Donald Trump wins the presidency. The business tycoon Donald Trump will be the 45th. It's a moment none of us will forget. But from the darkness, Americans picked ourselves up. Women marched. We fought back. I knew I had to join that fight. See, my mother came here as an immigrant when she was 22 because she believed in America. She and my dad were the first in their families to graduate college. They taught me to be kind and to stand up for what I think is right. I served as a national security aide in Congress, where I worked to stop the spread of nuclear weapons and investigated surveillance and abuse of American citizens. I couldn't stand the corruption. So I became an anti-corruption journalist, leading a company that has taken on powerful corporations, contract killers, crooked police, and ISIS war criminals. For that work, we've faced retribution, violence, and even death. But I believe we are all called to fight the abuse of power, even when the odds are against us. So from the darkness, in a district where the last Democrat lost by 23 points, I ran for Congress. A young Democrat named John Ossoff making a strong showing in a traditionally Republican district. The seat has been held by Republicans since 1979. John Ossoff has been such a good candidate. We have fabulous candidates. John Ossoff, smart, brilliant, has the energy to lead us to a better place. We say that we have more in common than we have apart. We reject fear and scapegoating. We are courageous, we are humble, and we know how to fight. He's energized a lot of young people. His strong showing reverberating all the way to the White House. Donald Trump is taking this one personally. Clearly, the guy's got Georgia on his mind. He's going to raise your taxes, destroy your health care, and he's for open borders. It was one of the toughest races in history and a heartbreaking loss. But we were just getting started. We showed the world that in places where no one thought it was even possible to fight, we could fight. This is the beginning of something much bigger than us. John's race proved that we can make progress and we can get closer. What John did was knock on doors and turn out voters that we haven't seen vote in the state in decades. We didn't give up. Young people like Felicia, mothers like Liz, and fathers like Muhammad. Georgians who poured their hearts and souls into a campaign for the first time, they didn't give up. They went on to help flip 14 state house districts. They joined the army that Stacey Abrams built to change our state forever. And they helped Democrats across this country win back the house. Because they believe, like my wife Alicia and I believe, that women have a right to their own health care decisions. That our children deserve a clean, beautiful, healthy planet. That America's prosperity should guarantee all of us health care and a living wage. And that our democracy depends on defending every American's right to vote. We believe the battle that began in Georgia in 2017 will be won in Georgia in 2020 when we flip the Senate and win the White House. The world we're building together is so close that we can almost see it. But we have to fight for it. And we know how to fight.
So check the links in the show notes for more on this candidate. Ossoff does not have a winning record to run on, but it seems his argument here is that despite the loss, he has powerful backing. I mean, John Lewis and probably Stacey Abrams and strong Democratic ideas. Plus, his ability to draw many hundreds of thousands of donors might be a wake-up call to presidential candidates who are struggling, in some cases, to reach 130,000. So as I told you yesterday, my first foray into stock investing was a total mess, like a real failure, mainly due to investing magic that was snake oil that was sold to me by these weird books that claim to have mysterious ways. Well, I bought some of those and that did not end well. So look, it's easy to find a broker who will let you buy whatever you want, but you need somebody doing the research on the ground who can tell you which stocks are actually worth it. And that's where my Wall Street comes in. They are not a broker, so you can trust them to make unbiased recommendations based on facts. They research the stocks, they give you a short list of the best ones, and they tell you why they are good, and then you can pick which of those you might want to buy. Or not. It's up to you. So check it out. Election Ride home listeners can access the entire My Wall Street app, all that research, for free, and use it for 30 days instead of the normal 7-day free trial. After a full month, you can stick with their expert guidance for just $9.99 a month. So visit mywallst.com slash ride to download the app now and get access to their market-beating stock picks and expert guidance. Again, that link is spelled mywallst.com slash ride. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Next up, here's a quick item. Today, there is a special election for the House seat in North Carolina's 9th District. Democrat Dan McCready is taking on Republican Dan Bishop in the contest of which Dan is better for North Carolina, and yes, I am probably the hundredth dumb political commentator to make that same joke. As a brief reminder, Bishop is a sponsor of House Bill 2, which is that infamous bathroom bill that denied transgender people the ability to use the bathroom conforming to their gender within the state of North Carolina, which cost the state some business. Meanwhile, McCready is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and is, shall we say, considerably more progressive on a variety of issues, though he also promises bipartisanship and suggests that his military service has trained him to get along with others. The reason there's a special election today is that there were allegations of absentee voter fraud in the 2018 election for this seat, in which a different Republican candidate, Mark Harris, was leading McCready in the polls by just 905 votes. This special election has gotten national attention, with Trump holding rallies in the area and tweeting today in support of the Republican candidate. Now, Hurricane Dorian has also affected the election, with both candidates calling for an extension to early voting to compensate. If you want some more history on that race, Ballotpedia has a nice roundup, link in the show notes as always, and this is a race to watch happening right now. If you're on Twitter, just check the hashtag NC09 for updates. On Monday, Senator Kamala Harris released a major new policy. 
titled Kamala's Plan to Transform the Criminal Justice System and Re-Envision Public Safety in America, the plan was posted to Medium and a lengthy PDF version was also published. Reading here from the introduction to her plan, quote, Reforming our criminal justice system is as complex and pressing an endeavor as any other in our lifetime. It is the civil rights issue of our time, and there is perhaps no one more uniquely suited to taking on this issue than Kamala Harris. From the civil rights protests she attended as a child to her time working inside the system as a prosecutor, Kamala has seen firsthand the fundamental flaws of the system. And because of her experiences, she has the insight and the fight to fundamentally transform the system for the better. At its best, the system serves to hold serious wrongdoers accountable and achieve justice for crime survivors while helping to build safer and healthier communities. At its worst, decades of failed policies have created an unjust, unequal, and vastly expansive system that disproportionately harms communities of color and criminalizes individuals just because they are poor. It is long past time to re-envision public safety by strengthening and supporting our communities and drastically limiting the number of people we expose to our criminal justice system. As president, Kamala will fundamentally transform how we approach public safety. End quote. And then Harris lays out four guiding principles that essentially summarize the plan at a very high level. So let me read those as well. Quote, One, end mass incarceration and invest resources into evidence and community-based programs that reduce crime and help build safe and healthy communities. Two, law enforcement's primary mission is to serve and protect communities. It should instill trust and be accountable to the communities it serves. Three. The system must treat individuals equitably and humanely. 4. The system must protect vulnerable people. End quote. And from there, the plan dives right into specifics. End the war on drugs, end mass incarceration, legalize marijuana, reform sentencing guidelines, increase clemency with a focus on people serving long sentences, focus on children in schools, invest in people leaving prison so they can reintegrate successfully into society, And that's just some highlights from the first section. So here's a clip Harris posted to Twitter in which she's speaking with the Reverend Al Sharpton, who actually does not speak in this clip. But this is a pretty solid summary of what's in the plan in Harris's own words. So listen in. My plan is an extension of all my experiences, plus what I know is achievable in terms of fixing a broken system. So there is an element of the plan that is about ending mass incarceration because America has a problem with mass incarceration. We have incarcerated disproportionately generations of men of color, black and brown men in particular. So that part of it is about dealing with sentencing reform. That part of it is dealing with what we need to do, which is to legalize marijuana. It is about dealing with what we are doing in terms of creating priorities and, 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 and looking at the fact that the war on drugs was a failure. We criminalized what was otherwise a public health issue, and that needs to end. On the issue of law enforcement accountability, and it's both as it relates to police officers but also prosecutors, we need to make sure that the system is dealing with the abuses when they occur. Because, you know, we have a criminal justice system where we often use the words accountability and consequence. But almost every time those words are used, it is in connection with the person who is arrested, and we do not use that word in connection with the system as a whole. And is the system as a whole being held accountable, and is there consequence for bad behaviors within the system? My plan is saying that we need to have 
a national standard of force that is about um, necessary use of force, right? In the case of the fatal shootings that we have seen, um, my plan is about saying that there needs to be in the United States Department of Justice and an element from the Civil Rights Division that is about preparedness to investigate patterns and practice of misconduct, not only by police departments, but also by prosecutors' offices. Because where that exists, there should be some kind of investigation and some kind of consequence. Um, my plan is about saying that we need to focus on children. So when I was Attorney General of California, I ran the second largest Department of Justice in the United States, second only to the United States Department of Justice, and created in that Department of Justice the Bureau of Children's Justice, focused on holding the system accountable to what we should be doing to serve our children and give them the benefit of all the services that they deserve. It is my intention to shut down private prisons. And, and by extension, frankly, also those private detention centers. Because here's the thing. Those, the business model, let's just step back and think about what the business model is. It's about people making profit off the incarceration of other human beings. There should never be a profit associated with incarcerating other human beings. Now, from a political standpoint, this plan looks like a response to criticism of her record as a prosecutor and attorney general in California. Reading from a Politico analysis by Christopher Catalago, quote, While campaigning for the U.S. Senate in 2016, Harris took heat from civil rights activists and African-American leaders for refusing to support state legislation requiring the attorney general's office to independently investigate fatal police shootings. Harris reversed her stance earlier this year, saying she now believes the best approach to handling allegations of brutality by law enforcement officials is through independent probes. In her 14-page plan, Harris goes further. She says she would push to send more money to the U.S. Department of Justice to incentivize state agencies to conduct independent investigations of officer-involved shootings, and would support a national standard establishing that officers use deadly force only when necessary and when they see no reasonable alternatives, end quote. Now, as with all policy, I ask, how much will this cost and how does the candidate intend to pay for it? Well, a few cost figures are listed, but they are not tallied in the documents that I've seen, and I did not see any overall mention of cost as a thing. Nor is there a clear funding mechanism. Though Harris does close out the document listing several very notable financial settlements that she secured from both banks and for-profit colleges to the tune of more than $20 billion overall. Given the lack of concrete costs, it's unclear whether that would have anything to do with funding the proposals. But, to be fair to Harris, some of what she suggests is procedural and therefore wouldn't have a direct cost, or at least not one that is easily measurable. And last up today, the next round of Debate Bingo is upon us. You can download the cards to sign it's a single pack of one dozen bingo cards at the top link in the show notes right below the sponsors. So, for our many new listeners since the last time we did this, let me explain for a moment. When debates roll around, I make these free bingo cards, and they include a lineup of all the candidates, including little pictures and their names. They are listed in the order that they appear from left to right in their actual podiums. And on the bingo card itself, below that, you've got two things that each candidate might say, plus two items the moderators might say, plus two more things anybody might say, plus, of course, the freedom square in the middle. You get that one automatically for free. This keeps you listening to candidates for potential themes, things they might say as they dive into policy. The point of debate bingo is not to turn the election into a game. 
You do not win anything if you make a bingo, or at least if you do, I'm not giving it to you. But this is a super handy tool if you've got folks who might be a little interested in the debate, but could use an extra activity to keep them in the room for three hours or so. I've seen a lot of families using this as a way to keep the kids engaged. It gives them something to watch for. I've also seen folks just using the top part of the card, that's the lineup of candidates, to help them keep track of who's who. And that's great, because they don't have their names printed on their podiums. And this is useful for everybody, especially if you're just beginning to tune in and you haven't memorized who everybody is yet. Anyway, the point of debate bingo for many people is just that it's fun. It's a thing to do. And if you're into Twitter, use the hashtag ERHBingo, that's Election Ride Home Bingo, to tweet about the game. As we go along, I'll be posting official callouts when certain squares are filled in. Those will come from the account at Election Ride Home, which is our official podcast account. You can also follow the occasional commentary from me, at Chris Higgins, if you like. And in all cases, anything bingo-related will have that hashtag, ERHBingo. So you might just follow that hashtag in the search thing, and you'll see what other people are doing. It can be pretty fun, because let me tell you right now, y'all have some pets. You're going to see some dogs playing bingo. And, you know, they may not be the most skilled players, but their stamina is impressive. You're going to see some dogs going to sleep in the first 10 minutes. So get your bingo cards. They're free, they're fun, and they are mildly educational. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. All right, it's raining in Portland. I've got a cat who needs feeding, and I've got some garden boxes that need repair before they disintegrate entirely in the drizzly rain. I'm going to start my master plan on some of those issues right now. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.